Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Demcast Network. I'm Kimberly Johnson, still quarantined in D.C., and today my returning guest is Democratic candidate Hank Gilbert. He is running for the House of Representatives, and he's also trying to unseat Louis Gilmert. Wouldn't that be fucking awesome? He was on the show before, and I just adore him. He is so funny, and he's just, he's so cool. And this particular conversation that we have, I mean, it's still funny, because he's funny. But mostly, it's not so much funny. It's talking about, he's talking about what kind of leader he's going to be. And I know you're going to be impressed because I'm impressed. I just, I told him, I just want to give him a big hug because he's so for the people. I love that. You got to love those politicians that are legit. And I think he's legit. He names actually the things that he's going to do to keep people engaged and to represent his district please donate money to him. I'm including his information in the Patreon description in this show. Uh, plus, you know, you could just go to Hank for Texas. I think it's Hank, the number four Texas, find him on Twitter. You can, f- and then there's Hank for Texas, F O R Texas. That is his website. Just like five bucks, give him five bucks. Everything helps. And he so deserves it. Plus I think Louis, he, he said Louis Gomert is crapping his pants. <laughs> so that's awesome we got to do that now i'm going to be talking with dana goldberg on wednesday that's going to be fun and then on thursday steph's going to be here for a patrons only show now stick around after i talk to louie i you know i do my outro and as i and i'm going to talk about this in a minute but i'm going to be changing up the show so where my outros are now going to be part of the five dollar tier so when you listen if you listen and say that's another thing i wasn't sure if people were actually listening to my outros so make sure to stay on after my conversation with hank and that's the kind of stuff you're going to be getting it's it's an example obviously every day that i do this it's going to be whatever topic i'm thinking about but i give a little bit of an opinion on the conversation i just had with whoever I was talking to. And then I just add my personal stuff. So a little bit of personal stuff this time and a little bit of how much I fucking love Hank. So (laughs) don't forget, I'm also an Amazon associate. I'm always including a link in that Patreon description where I have a lot of links. So check out, check out all those links. And so when you shop on Amazon, please use that link. And you'll know that when you click on it, you're going to see The Melt, which is a book that my mother wrote and of course, I want people to buy it and read it and review it. But I included that uh, product, if you will, because I know Amazon uh, likes for me to show a product. So I'm going to show a product and I chose her book. I might change it out from time to time, but just don't get confused if you see it. And as an Amazon associate, I earn from qualifying purchases. So please keep that in mind. Now, also, the Start Me Up podcast is an independent podcast. It's supported by listeners just like you. And it's also woman run. Hi, I'm the woman. And I don't use carpet backers. I don't use advertisers. I only start the show telling you about how you can become a patron, which is what I'm doing right now. And it is patrons who keep this show going. So basically, if you enjoy today's show, take a look at the front page of my Patreon, which is patreon.com slash start me up. You can read about my style, which is pretty casual. And I interview people about politics most of the time. Occasionally, I interview actors, sometimes really famous people, sometimes people you never heard of. But that's the fun of the show. And so just you, you could do this. You could look at the front page check it out. Then you'll see all the tiers. Now I have created a number, I think six tiers. You could, you could sign up right now for two bucks 
And then if you're like, hey, I want to be in on this outro deal and I want to hear these patrons only, then then you can upgrade later to $5 a month. You can sign up for $20 a month or $50. You can make it whatever you want. You can go into the $2 tier and change it so that it's a $27.95 tier for you. Whatever you want to do, you can do. Again, you just visit patreon.com slash startmeup. And you can also make a one-time donation. Again, on the Patreon description of this show, I include my email address. Just use that with PayPal. I might include, I, I, I do have a cash me account for people who, who do that. And if, you, if you're interested, you can let me know. I'll just email you the information, but I have not yet made that public. Um, and then, you know, you can also find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Every single day I check and it looks like almost every day I get a new page. Uh, I'm sorry, a new Apple podcast subscriber, which is awesome because it's free. And then you guys are giving me ratings and reviews, 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 reviews are so important to authors and podcasters. Please don't forget. You don't need to write a book. Just say, I like this show. That's all you need to do. Anyway, that is it. So again, patreon.com slash start me up, get you into everything about this show. And now, please enjoy, and I know you will, my conversation with the total badass Hank Gilbert. Welcome back to the show, Hank. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. You know what? I just, I just, you'll have to excuse me. I said Hank, which is your right name. And then I looked at my notes and I saw Louis Gomert and I thought, oh my God, I said the wrong name. And then I realized. (laughs) That that would have. I'm glad I didn't say. (laughs) Welcome back to the show, Louis. (laughs) Glad I didn't say that. Um, Okay. Well, first of all, before we even get in, I just, I absolutely adore you. I I loved talking to you the last time. You're so fun. And I, I know that I'm. Some of my listeners sent you some money, so I hope that helped, and I'm so grateful that you're running, and you're running against Louis Gilbert in Texas. And so, first of all, how's the race going? Yeah, you know, first of all, I want to thank your listeners for uh, for sending those donations last time I was on your show, because, uh, you know, we need all we can get yeah. to to defeat this this uh, Donald Trump of East Texas without <laughs> the hair. But uh it's it's going really good. I mean, uh, you know, we've been fortunate. We've uh, gotten donations from all over the country, mm-hmm. and even even uh, Puerto Rico and wow. Guam and military personnel overseas, <laughs> and and uh, and he's raised absolutely no money. And so <laughs> we're we're spending a lot of money, and he's not spending any. Just kind of resting on his laurels. Uh, but you know, my phone's ringing every day and has rang every day of early voting of, uh, Republicans calling to tell me that, uh, that they voted for me instead of him. Uh, but we've invested a lot of money in independent voters and persuadable Republicans, Mm -hmm. uh, in this race. And I think what you're seeing, not only in Texas and in my district, but all over the country is a lot of, uh, really just pissed off Republicans that Mm -hmm. are coming out early uh to to voice their displeasure along with a lot of motivated democrats mm-hmm. yeah um, so i think it's going to be a sea change election i predicted that voter turnout will be higher than what it was in 2008 when we elected uh president obama the mm-hmm. first time and, and i'm and i'm holding to that because yeah. i truly believe that it is well uh, when you have yeah. a narcissistic <laughs> bastard like we have in dc in our house <laughs> 
who has let uh, about 225,000 of our own people die yeah. due to his negligence mm-hmm. and narcissism and, and being enabled to do so by people like my opponent uh, simply because he has an R behind his name. Yeah. Uh, that, that tells you the state of our country. Well, I just saw a Houston Chronicle article, and they were talking about how Texas has the most restrictive voting process in the country. And so, I'm, you know, I mean, I know that uh, the governor wanted to reduce the number of drop boxes of Abbott. And so I'm just wondering how that's affecting your area. I mean, I know that the judge said he couldn't do it, but how's that going? Like, what's happening over there? Well, it's it's you're right about the the restrictive voting. Mm-hmm. I mean, Republicans have tried everything in the book mm-hmm. to prevent uh, people from voting because they knew that it would would heavily affect Democratic voters far yeah. so more than their base. Uh, and and you know the big scare of Democrats nationally was that COVID would prevent people from coming out in person. Mm -hmm. And so we started initially urging everybody to vote by mail. And then Trump started screwing Mm -hmm. with the mail process. Uh, And you know what? I think, I think that, that, and and I'm going to say this in a patriotic way because I believe it is a patriotic endeavor. Mm -hmm. I believe that people just have reached the mindset that they're willing to risk their lives yeah. and their health just to change this country and get back to some sense of normalcy. Yeah. And you're seeing people in wheelchairs, you're seeing wow. senior citizens, you're seeing everybody that you wouldn't normally think in the midst of this pandemic would show up in person. And not only are they showing up in person, they're standing in line. Mm-hmm. And, and they're just waiting for, like, like I heard a woman tell somebody the other day, she said, you know, this may be the last time I ever get to vote hmm. for a number of reasons, mm-hmm. because if we don't defeat this guy, we may not ever have free elections yeah. again, or I may contract COVID and die, wow. but I'm willing to put that on the line to make our, to make a difference for our country. That's just, that's amazing. I mean, and, and I think you're not only, I mean, I heard that personally standing in line, but I think that that mindset is going through so many people right now Mm -hmm. that regardless of of what it's going to cost them, Mm -hmm. they're willing to risk that for the future of this country and for their kids and their grandkids. And that's what separates us as Democrats from a lot of Republicans, not all, but a lot of Republicans is that we care about not only the future for our children and our grandchildren, but we care about the future of our country Mm -hmm. and the democracy that, that we fought that, 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 Tens of thousands of people have fought and died for yeah. for us to preserve, and uh, I think that's the big fundamental driver to these uh, these these record numbers of people voting early. Uh, and I think we're going to shatter every record in the book in every state in the country before this thing is over. Yeah, I do. I, I, I agree. I mean, Michael McDonald, who's an election elections expert, has been posting every single day. Um, you know, like, for instance, I think 20 today we're at twenty eight point five million early voters. And I don't know exactly the number we were we were at at this time in 2016. But I know at least as like for for yesterday, 
the date, I think it was like 1.5 million in 2016. And now we've got like 28.5 million. So it's amazing. But I mean, are well, you. I can tell you, I can tell you one better than that, Kimberly. Yeah. Texas has <laughs> traditionally been the worst turnout state in the country. Number 50. Wow. 50. Oh my. In, in voter turnout in almost every election. Right now, Texas is leading the nation Whoa. in the number of early voters. Wow. We're number one in the nation, and as of Friday, because we didn't have early voting this past weekend, but Mm -hmm. as of Friday, more votes had been cast early in Texas in a five-day period than we have had in the last four non-presidential elections in the state on non-presidential years. Our normal votes in the non-presidential years are around four to five million. Uh We, we were at four point something million as the end of last Friday. Oh, that makes me so happy. And now, is it harder to vote there? I mean, are you, how is it? I mean, I know you're in a more rural area. So is, is your area pretty much the same? Or are you seeing that it's harder to vote? It is in some respects. Of course, you know, we passed, we were one of the first states to pass the voter ID mm-hmm. laws, you mm-hmm. know, where they had to have a, a photo ID. Uh, and in some of our more rural counties, that are that are pretty good sized counties. The early voting, they have one voting location. You wow. know, yeah. now in this particular county I live in, of course, it contains the city of Tyler. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we they actually increased our early voting locations from five to seven. Hmm. But I have some counties in this district that only have one location, and and for town people that live, you know, in the extremes of those counties, they may have to drive twenty or thirty miles one way if they yeah. want to vote early. But every one of the counties in my district are seeing record numbers of early voters. So those those people are getting in their cars and they're driving that 30 miles or however just to go vote early. That just that warms my heart. I mean, of course, I've been I've been pushing for the get your absentee ballot uh, ballot and then fill it out at home and then take it to wherever you can take it, which is actually what I did last Wednesday. And it was awesome because. I live in Maryland and I checked, I tracked my ballot and it was received. So that was awesome for everybody out there. I mean, I don't know, you know, every state's different. So you can just like Google track my ballot in whatever state you live in. And a lot of times you can get that information. But you mentioned these uh, persuadable Republicans. And I'm just curious, um, how do you think that there are any Republicans that still need to be persuaded? And what is the how do you persuade a Republican that's maybe sitting on the fence right now? I think that the number is small. I mean, uh, whether good, bad or indifferent, I think that uh, this president and the people around him have made this decision very easy for people. I think a lot of people had their mind made up Mm -hmm. before the voting ever started, what they were going to do. You know, the more uneducated people are, you know, dead set on voting for this person because they think he's just like them, even though he would piss in their ass and their guts was on fire to save them. But but they're too stupid to understand that. It's a 40-year project of dumbing down the electorate through through defunding public education has worked. And uh, even though the Republicans have tried to keep it, uh, under wraps, you know, this, yeah. they never realized that one of the, the, one of the descendants of that program would become president. And he <laughs> gladly says in the microphone, yeah. I love the uneducated. Uh, but, uh, I think from that standpoint, those, those people's minds have been made up and yeah. you're not going to change them if right. you run over them with a Mack truck. But, uh, 
the ones that are more educated understand that they were doing well financially before this president Uh and that this president hasn't really done any more for them other than give them more money, which they can't spend what they have already. Uh, And they're seeing, they're seeing if they're business owners or if they invest in business, they're seeing their profits go down because Mm -hmm. the people that they really need to support them don't have the money to do so uh, under this president, unlike most other administrations. And so I think they're voting for their, their own pocketbook against him. Hmm. Uh, And then, and then a lot of others just understand fundamentally that what's happening in our country, not only between income inequality, but racial inequality Mm -hmm. and and everything else that they're seeing our country decline Mm -hmm. and they're seeing our country in the eyes of our allies decline. And they're beginning to see uh, authority, authoritarian type practices come out of our government and and i don't think they like that but are there some that still need persuading sure Mm -hmm. i mean i honestly believe there's a percentage however small it may be that are still trying to weigh the differences and this that and the other Mm -hmm. and uh that's why we've you know exploited my opponent uh so greatly (laughs) through digital media on just dumbass things that he says or does and you know i'm not gonna i don't care about corona i'll wear a mask when i get it well the dumb bastard got it and then he put a mask on and blamed getting it on the mask unbelievable so uh you know it's 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 that kind of thing and and plus we're at a time where we've never had an administration in the eve of 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 a disease in any country happening that has never you know started trying to take some precautions in case yes, of right because it doesn't matter we we have such a global economy now and such a a, a global dependence mm-hmm. now that I, if somebody sneezes in Japan somebody better be there to watch it because <laughs> it's going to get to the US yeah right Irregardless, you're not going to stop it. The mm-hmm. only difference is in previous administrations, they were ready for it when it got here, mm-hmm. and they snuffed it out before it got here. This one says, even though he's admitted privately that he knew how bad this mm-hmm. was, has played it off like it can't be that bad. Mm-hmm. And now, rather than actually trying to do something to curtail this thing, he's listening to some other media host or radio host or TV host that come from Fox that was kicked out Mm -hmm. and saying, oh, hell, let's just develop herd immunity. Right. So in other words, let's let another 250,000 people die. By that time, everybody else has had it and gotten over it and we'll be immune to it. So what if we lose half a million people? Okay. My only hope is that part of that half a million is their God dang family members. (laughs) Right. Okay. Then let's see how important it is. Yeah, exactly. It's unbelievable I mean, they don't get seen, that. I've, I don't think we've ever seen in our lifetime no. the idiocy right. that has come out of out of this administration. No, absolutely not. It's every day. You know, it's funny as we, I guess it's not funny, but it's funny in that 
every day as we are approaching the election, I'm getting less and less. I mean, I'm still interested and I still run my mouth on social media and do my podcasts and all that. But it's like I'm 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 just getting to the point now. It's like just 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 get there because I can't stand seeing his stupid like those mechanical Santa dances that he's doing. He he seems like I don't know what the hell's going on with him. Maybe it's the steroids. Maybe it's just the the he does literally feel the walls are closing in on. He's making jokes or referencing leaving the country. I wanted to ask you about that. As far as um, all this behavior, I mean, I've noticed a change in his behavior. I think that it's been kind of, it's been going on for a, a period of time. I think maybe even starting with, you know, first we heard the news that he said that people who fought in wars were losers and, um, and then, you know, we, losers and suckers. Losers yeah. and suckers. And then, and then we heard the, that he told, uh, Woodward, you know, all about the, the virus, how dangerous, dangerous it is. And then the taxes thing came out. And I mean, there's a bunch of other things, but those were big, but I, I felt like, you know, and then we're starting to see polls that are putting Biden ahead. And, and it's like, he's, he is understanding on some level, you know, he might lie to himself, but on some level he's understanding what's happening. Plus he had COVID and he's on steroids. So I'm, I'm wondering like, what's the general feeling in Texas with with the view on Trump. And I mean, I know there's his base that will always accept him, but I mean, just, you know, you're talking about those persuadable Republicans and you're talking about, um, and I know that's particularly for you and Gomert, but I mean, I'm, I'm just in the general sense, like, do you think that people in Texas see what Trump is doing and they're like, Oh my God, he's, he's just completely incompetent. Or do you, I mean, what do you think they're thinking? Well, I think that, once again, I'm going to say that the more educated people, mm-hmm. I think what really kind of started hitting home with him was when all this stuff started leaking out about Trump's uh, view of military mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Because if, if Republicans are nothing, they are very pro-military and yeah. very pro-country. And, uh, you know, I had a brother that served in Vietnam. Yeah. And uh, was disabled when he came home and and. You know, he died at age 58, but mm-hmm. he died with a chip on his shoulder yeah. because of the way he was treated once he got back right. home. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I so I, I kind of have a, a soft spot for for military for for that reason, if, if for no other. Yeah. And when it came out that he knew that Russia had bounties <sighs> on the heads right. of military yes. and then it came out where, you know, he made the statements in front of in front of generals, you know, well, what's in it for them? Mm-hmm. You know, if I mean, you can't make a million dollars. You'll never be a millionaire being career military, you know, and didn't want to go visit the grave over there where, by the way, one of my uncles is buried. Wow. And uh, because he considered all those people losers and suckers. Mm-hmm. I think that opened the eyes to a lot of people. Hmm. And, you know, we came out heavily and still continue to criticize Louis for standing behind Trump in those remarks mm-hmm. when Louis is a military veteran himself. I mean, even though he didn't see action, he served in a JAG Corps. Yeah. But he's a military veteran and should have immediately come out and condemned those remarks and didn't. He doubled down yeah. and, and backed the president. And it's it's really made a difference among military veterans, not only in the state, but in my district. Um, but but he, 
I think if if that wasn't enough, I think his attitude mm-hmm. since he contracted COVID <laughs> and since he got put on all these different medications. I mean, now he's even telling people if you at these rallies, if you don't support me and get me reelected, I'm not coming back to your state ever again. <laughs> and then he's telling some of them that. You know, if I lose this election, I'm probably going to have to leave the country. Well, I think what's weighing on his mind yeah. is the fact, where where is he going to go? Exactly. I, I know. Because, you know, and, and I hope, I hope that our Secret Service, because, you know, they every ex-president has a detail assigned mm-hmm. on, to them for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hope that our Secret Service says, Mr. President... If you leave the country, you will not have Secret Service protection Mm -hmm. because I don't want to put our members of the Secret Service lives in danger Mm -hmm. because I don't think this president will have a single place that he can go. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And and not and not have something to pay for because (laughs) these people, you know, it's already come out now that he may be as much as a billion dollars in debt. Mm -hmm. Uh, and all of that debt, even though we can't see it, uh, from what has been made available from his tax returns, that's not U.S. owned debt. Yeah, that is owned by foreign countries or foreign oligarchs mm-hmm. or whatever. Well, once he's not president anymore, he is a hundred percent useless to those people. Exactly. I yeah, mean, they have no need for him whatsoever. In in. They're holding the paper on his properties. Mm-hmm. It's not like they can't just sell those properties. Yeah. Even wow. though they're in wow. Trump's organization name, they're holding the paper on them. Yeah. And so where can he go? Wow. I, I mean, didn't even think about it that way, but that's so true because everybody talks about, you know, the New York uh, AG or whatever taking seizing assets. But yeah, the the people who basically he's beholden to could come back and just say goodbye. There you go. Wow, I mean, that's awesome. In Russia can say no. The Trump Tower is not the banks. Yes. Here's here's my paperwork. I gave him the money to build it. Yeah. You know, there's a. I think you're going to see a lot of that. What's going to be fascinating? I mean, literally fascinating, is in the future when those properties come up for sale mm-hmm. to find out who really owns them. Yeah. Yeah. Because he doesn't. Uh, and I think that's pretty clear. But 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 back to my question: If he stays here, he knows if he stays in the U.S., mm-hmm. he's going to be indicted. Mm-hmm. And if his family stays here, probably the majority of his family members are going to be indicted. Mm-hmm. And while he does have the right, I think some say he does, some say he don't, to pardon himself and his family of any federal charges that may be brought against him once they leave office. That doesn't – he has no power to yeah. pardon state charges. Right, yes. And every state will charge him just like New York State is doing, the state of Florida will, everywhere he owns properties. Uh, and so I think he realizes if they stay here, they're going to wind up in jail. Mm-hmm. But where can he go yeah, where? that he's going to be safe? Yeah. No, I mean Russia absolutely he, he doesn't want him. Russia no. Because Putin will have no need for him. He no. can't go to Turkey because Erdogan will have no need for him. Yeah. He can't go to Saudi Arabia <laughs> because the crown prince will have no use for him. And we see what the crown prince does to people that yes, he has no use for. Exactly. Uh, and he owes all of those countries money. Wow. God. 
and and even if he went to some country he didn't owe money it's not like those people can't get to him mm-hmm. particularly without secret service protection yeah so he's in a box he really is and, and then, you know and yeah i think i think that's why he's getting more and more erratic mm-hmm. every day wow because he's like a he's like, he's like a caged animal mm-hmm you know. Yeah. And I mean, and also, I mean, there's all these countries that are not letting Americans in just because of COVID and the way we've dealt because with COVID. COVID yeah. yeah. And well, I just hope wherever he goes, Kimberly, <laughs> that for once, Louis doesn't test out positive <laughs> for COVID and can get on the plane and go with him. <laughs> okay, wait, I want to ask you, you tweeted out that Louis Gummert has rented a U-Haul. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. You know, so, we've, we've, uh, yeah, the TV ad that we're running now is is based primarily on poll results of what really turned people off about Louie, and that is taking uh, all this uh, lobbyist money and mm-hmm. stuff and these lobbyist trips and using his campaign account to pay personal expenses. <laughs> and so every time a new report comes out, we highlight different items in that report that – according to the house ethics rules are illegal because they're being used for personal things like his, you know, he pays his car insurance on he and his wife's vehicles out of his campaign. Wow. He he has eight or nine Netflix accounts and iTunes accounts that are paid for out of his campaign. He on star navigation paid for out of his campaign and his campaign doesn't own a, an official vehicle. Wow. Uh, And you know, a chalet in, in Colorado, a resort, a, timeshare mm-hmm. you know he's paying out of his campaign uh and this is supposed to be you know self-described one of the brokest members of congress <laughs> and all these different things well we noticed this last one it, among all those things he also had a 400 something dollar charge for a, a u-haul and so yeah we blasted <laughs> out that hey louis giving up he's already rented a u-haul to start moving his stuff out uh, that's awesome because we have received word from people close to him uh-huh that he's basically crapping in his pants because he's afraid Good. he's fixing to lose. Uh, and That's he has so no cool. money to, to keep it from happening. Right. So That's really you know. funny. Wow. And then his daughter, I mean, you retweet or you quote tweeted or whatever it was that uh, his daughter is yeah. telling everybody basically to, to vote blue. Right. Right. She's telling everybody and, uh, to rely on expert medical experts and that this administration is gaslighting us. It's like Rudy Giuliani's daughter is kind of doing the same thing. You know, she's like, mm-hmm. I can't I can't mm-hmm. make him see the reality of the situation, but you can vote blue. That's really interesting. And I mean, it gives me some hope. But, um, well, you know, Caroline is, a, is an amazing person from, mm-hmm. from everything that I can gather. You know, Louie has three daughters mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know how much contact he has with any of the three. But Caroline changed her name years ago uh, to Caroline Brooks, and she she's a singer and she's a songwriter, mm-hmm. uh, but she's also a very prominent member of the LGBT community, hmm. uh, which is really ironic since wow. Louis is one of the biggest homophobes in yeah, Washington. That's really. Sad. Uh, but I think, from what I understand, she's been calling people back in the district that she knows, just to kind of get their feel for. Mm-hmm where they're standing on this in this particular election. And yeah. of course these friends are all Republicans and they're telling her that, that they're going to vote Democrat. Wow. Uh, and, and of course I, I believe that Carolyn, you know, another reason of, of conflict possibly is that it's that Caroline's a Democrat. Yeah. Um, and, um, uh, 
you know, I don't want to involve family and races and, and I just think that's wrong, but, but she kind of put herself right. out there yeah. and, and I'm, and I'm glad she did. I mean, people need to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it must be hard. I mean, I can only imagine, I'm so grateful that my parents are both li- liberal Democrats, so <laughs> I don't have to worry about that, but yeah, I, I feel like, you know, he's also see Claudia Conway talking about her parents and, and it's just, it's kind of sad that, it's gotten to the point, but it's also inspiring that these children are saying, I'm not, I'm not part of this and I'm going to say something. It's, it's, it's well, really I want to tell you something, you know, I, I blasted not only Louie, but a lot of Republicans in general because of their, their, just their hypocrisy mm-hmm. on, on yeah. a lot of different issues. Yeah. And, you know, Louie's a member of the only mega church that we have in this district here in Tyler. And he's there, you know, every Sunday that he's in town. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, this church won't disclose how many people got COVID the Sunday really? before Louie announced he wow. had it. Uh, but several members of the church have told me that there were a lot of people that got mm-hmm. COVID that sun- from that was traced back to that Sunday. Hmm. Uh, but to to sit here and basically bank on the evangelical vote, yeah. even though I believe more and more the evangelicals, well, we've, we've noted through statistics that the evangelical vote has continued to drop in every election cycle over the last 10 years in East Texas. But a lot of them now are understanding the message that we put forth that, that your religion is being hijacked for power. Yeah. Case in point, look at our president mm-hmm. who claims to be an evangelical but claims to grab women and assault them mm-hmm. as if it's a commonplace. Uh, and and will take children away from their moms, yeah. away from their parents, and put them in cages. Nowhere in the Bible does Jesus condone that type of, right. of uh, behavior. Yeah. Nor does he condone hate. Mm-hmm. Yet every time Louis Gomer gets in front of a camera, he spews it like it's it's just everyday talk. Yeah. Uh, but but the you know where he where we really try to nail Louis is on that hypocrisy mm-hmm. that that he possesses and 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 spews and then sits right there in the church pew on Sunday like like uh, you know he's he's God's favorite creation yeah uh, and that uh, that I think is 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 changing a lot of people's minds in itself wow that's interesting and I'm glad I'm glad that that's happening I also wanted to ask you about uh, as far as Biden is concerned, I mean, how do you obviously the Trump uh, Trump publicans are trying to paint him as any villain, you know, whether it's corrupt or they, they've kind of let go of socialist, although I see it every now and then. Uh, how, how are Texans feeling in general about Biden? He seems to be a fairly safe Democrat, but I don't you know, what's the thought on him? Well, number one, I don't see how any Republican can ever again come out publicly against socialism (laughs) you know it's a hard pill to swallow when the republicans did finally after 10 years of 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 correcting and fixing it back social security and medicare yeah which is which at that time was the largest socialist program ever introduced in this country yeah all right but number two since covid is hit yeah and the republicans backed and put on the president's desk a several trillion dollar package to help out businesses Mm -hmm. and people in this country and enthusiastically did it. And this president enthusiastically signed it. I never want to hear another Republican (laughs) mention socialism to me again, because they have promoted it as just as much as as, as anyone else. Yeah. 
and and um, but as far as Biden, I tell people all the time. They said, "Well, why should I vote for Biden?" Mm-hmm. And I said, well, "I'll tell you this. I've had the opportunity to visit with Vice President Biden on two occasions, both of which when he was a senator." And I said, just like I'm talking to you right now, Mm -hmm. that is the very same way Joe Biden would talk to you. Yeah. He literally is the epitome of a politician that you could actually sit down and have a beer with. Yeah. And he is going to be just as frank and just as honest with you as I am. Mm -hmm. There's no facade there. Now, I will say that he is a politician (laughs) and he's been in Washington a long time. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, he's probably made some deals that he wasn't proud of, mm-hmm. but I know when he made them, he had the American people's interest at heart. Mm-hmm. And that's so much different than what the alternative yes, is. Yes, exactly. Because this guy that we have in there now don't give a damn about anybody except himself. He would sell his own kids down yeah, the he river. Would. To protect his own ass. Yeah, he absolutely would. And I said, Joe Biden is not that way. Yeah. He is going to work for every American, Mm -hmm. every person in this country. And when he tells you that no one is going to get taxed unless their income's over $400,000, you can take that to the bank because that is what he's going to fight for. Yeah. And when he tells you that he's going to work for every American in this country, whether they voted for him or not, you can take that to the bank. Mm-hmm. And and by God, those are the types of politicians that you need to elect. And mm-hmm. I tell everyone this, you know, I'm going to be the voice for the people of this district. And that will always come ahead of party politics. Mm-hmm. And I don't give a damn if a Democrat authors a bill that's only going to help a certain small percentage of the electorate. I'm going to fight like hell against that bill. Yeah. But if a Republican offers a bill that's going to help the majority of the people in my district, I'm going to fight like hell to make that bill happen. Right. Because that's what we that's what we're sent there for. Yes. We're not sent there to enhance our own bottom line or or pump up our own egos or anything else. We are sent there to be the voice for the thousands of people Mm -hmm. that we represent that can't afford to do. They can't afford to go up there and do that. You that know, is our only objective. Yeah. And, and period. that's how it should be with everyone. And I think we are seeing, you know, there are, are people like you who are running in different parts of the country. Like, for instance, Rob Anderson is running in Louisiana and he is basically the same thing. I mean, he's pretty progressive, but he's also... Rep, you know, he recognizes that it's representing the people and you have to do what's best for the people. And if, hey, man, if I were running, I would take on that same thing, that if a Democrat wrote a bill that only helped a portion and a Republican wrote a bill that was going to help everybody and it was legit, I would go for that one because it is. It's about the people. But I'm wondering, um, I'm just going to say once you're elected, how are you going to stay engaged with the people? Because before you answer that question, I have all kinds of ideas about how Democrats should behave because I think we need to I think we need to keep engagement you know all the time. There are elections every year and I think some people are viewing this election as like the finish line when in fact mm-hmm. it's just the start and so I'm just right. you know wondering what are you planning to do to keep people engaged? Well, it's like I've told everybody. 
Louis Gohmert's held one public town hall in the 16 years he's been in office. And that was during his first term. It was in 2005 because my late wife and I went. And it got so rowdy and so rambunctious that he got up and walked out about halfway through and vowed to never hold another one because he feared for his safety. Hmm. So I've reminded hmm. him numerous times in this campaign that, Louis, I know you grew up on the same King James Version of the Bible that I did. And my Bible said, fear no man. <laughs> so I can't understand why you won't have public town halls. But, you know, I had 60 of them planned for this campaign. Only got five done right. live before coronavirus hit. Right. But I've made a pledge to the people of this district that I will hold two public town halls a year in each of the 12 counties that I'm running to represent. Wow. So that's 24 opportunities that they will have per year to come ask me whatever they want to ask me or say whatever they want to say, because there's two fundamental things that I want to know. Number one. Am I doing the job you elected me to do? Mm -hmm. And number two, what do you want me to do when I go back to Washington? <laughs> and I've also told them that I'm going to do like my old congressman when I was growing up. He was a Democrat then, Ralph Hall, uh, used to always do two times a year, usually right after the first of the year and usually sometime during the summer. We'd get two letters. He mailed a letter out to every voter in the district. We'd get two letters and the thing would look like a book because it would be numerous sheets of paper. Of course, that was back before we had computers and mm -hmm. they had to type everything. But he would have listed every bill that he knew that was going to come before the House in that session and a brief summary of the bill and then his opinion of the bill. And then on the hmm. back page, he would urge his constituents to call his office in Washington and tell him how they wanted him to vote on that bill. And of course, I know he didn't get a lot of calls because back then, you know, it was long distance to call yeah. from here to D.C. and cost a lot of money and people didn't have it. But now you can pick up a phone. You can talk to somebody in Beijing and look at them while you're talking to them. Right, the exactly. Cost is, it costs <laughs> the, your neighbor. Um, so I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to mail out a, a, a deal just like that to every constituent twice a year. <laughs> same kind of procedure. And on the back, I'm going to ask them to call my office. And I tell everybody that 99% of what that vote turns out to be coming into my office will be the way that I cast my vote on the floor. Wow. But but there will be that 1% that I just cannot agree with, mm -hmm. and, I'm, and I'll vote the other way. The difference between me and Louie is I'm willing to take the heat for that vote, and yeah. you'll have 24 opportunities to chew on my ass because of the way <laughs> I voted on that particular vote. But – but I'm going to go one step farther than Ralph Hall. I'm going to also make a copy of every one of those bills contained in that letter. And I'm going to send those bills to the library in the county seat of every county. Because you're going to have that percentage of people who are going to say, I don't believe this lying son of a bitch. That, <laughs> that ain't what the bill says. I'm going to give them the opportunity to read the bill themselves. Mm -hmm. Wow. And we're going to highlight everything in that bill that I put in my summary because I want to be totally transparent Yeah. because I believe that that's the duty of a member of Congress is to be transparent with your constituents. And then I'm going to vote the way they want me to vote almost wow. all the time. That's really – I mean that's one of the things that I wish more – elected officials would do is just be a transparent, have that dialogue 
with the voters and, you know, really remind people. I think one one important thing Democrats need to do, specifically elected officials, is re- also reminding people of what Democrats have brought to them. You know, whether it's, you know, social pro- programs like Medicare or Social Security, roads, things like that, or even the ACA, which is at risk right now, which I want to ask you about that in one second, just about the uh, expanding the court. But it's, it's very important to see people, elected officials, educating the public, because as you said, and it's one of my biggest laments, is that, yes, for about 50 years, the Republicans have defunded education. And then when you add to that toxic talk, talk radio with like Rush Limbaugh and Mark Levin or whatever his name is, and then on top of that, you have Fox News, you have the perfect storm for somebody like Trump. It's been leading up to that. And so I think one way we can counter that is if Democrats, I know in 2014, so many Democrats refused to get behind the president. They refused to sing the praises of his work and the ACA in particular, and they weren't educating people because people think that, you know, when they think of the ACA, they think in terms of, oh, pre-existing conditions, but there's so much more. I mean, women paid more for insurance than men. In fact, my mother, who had like almost no issues uh, prior to the ACA, she was working at this company where she was working this fellow who had all kinds of issues, diabetes and, you know, this and that and this and that. And he, his insurance was less than her insurance. And so that's one thing that the ACA promises is to keep you from having to pay more and be discriminated against. But what I wanted to ask you about this is obviously we've got this, uh, I'm going to call her Amy COVID Barrett. And she is, you know, <laughs> looks like, uh, looks like they're going to want to vote her in this week. And, Biden has basically said he would he would, you know, he'll see what's going to happen and then he'll decide on expanding the court. So what's your opinion on him expanding the court, providing she gets uh, she does get confirmed? Well, first of all, I'm going to say about her, mm-hmm. you know, I, I deal with people every day because I'm self-employed and have been a, a large part of my life by no means rich. Mm-hmm. But I'm still, my kids are trying to figure out, dad, how are you going to make a living if you get elected? And I said, well, we'll work on that later. But, uh, you know, you look into her eyes when they're doing a steal yeah. on her. And and I don't try to degrade anybody, but I can usually evaluate a person's heart by looking through their eyes. Yeah. And when you look in her eyes, I just see evil. Yes, so do I. And she may, and she may not be. She may be the nicest, sweetest Karenest person on the face of the earth, but it's not in her eyes. No, it is. I just see evil. Mm-hmm. And then when you when you read some of the things that she has said about particular things in the past, it 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 you know should scare the hell out of everybody. Yeah, particularly women. Mm-hmm. But uh, as far as expanding the courts, you know, I think Mitch McConnell and his antics has not only given the Democratic Party every reason for doing that, Mm -hmm. I think he's also given uh, a lot of moderate Republicans a reason to allow it to happen. Right. Oh, Uh, yeah. Because by what they did over the Merrick Garland issue, Mm -hmm. which people need to understand about Merrick Garland, he's not a raging liberal. Right. Okay? He he is is a very moderate Republican. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you can't use the, you can't listen to the argument. Well, they just wanted to, to pack the court yes. with Democrats because Mitch Garland, Merrick Garland was not a Democrat. Right. 
and and Obama took a lot of flack for putting his name up in nomination to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was the difference in in uh, the type of president he was mm-hmm. because he tried to to unify the country. Yeah. Uh, but McConnell now they've done the complete opposite mm. with this gal, you know, in just yeah. a matter of days they're going to push her through, and it's going to give them. I mean, if you look at at ideology, it will give them a six three majority on the court. Even though I think John Roberts, because of mm-hmm. that will probably side more on the Democratic side yeah. on a lot of the issues, but still you're outnumbered five to four. Right. You know, my my idea of a of an ideal Supreme Court is to not number one, not have an odd number court. Yeah. Have an even number court. Hmm. And have an even number court of like minded people. Five left leaning ju- jurists, five right leaning jurists. Mm-hmm. And with the notion that you cannot have a a split decision. In other words, you mm-hmm. cannot have a tie decision. That's, yeah, that's an interesting concept. One 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 person, at least one person from one side, is going to have to side with the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, because number one, I think that will bring, I think that will bring more of an appreciation for the court. Yes. In that. Uh, one side was was able to see or to concede the merits of a particular argument. Mm-hmm. Uh, and number two, and I'm a firm believer in this, is that there should not be any lifetime appointments in <laughs> yeah, any court. I agree. I agree. Zero. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, Democrats don't like to hear this, nor does my campaign like for me to say this. <laughs> but one thing about me is I've always been brutally honest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm running on term limits. Yeah. And Democrats traditionally don't like that. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you why. I'm an ex-educator, and and I know the importance of education in the evolution of our country. Right, yeah. And I'm a firm believer that, number one, no one in Washington should, should be able to, allowed to serve any longer than a president can. If we're mm-hmm. going to put restrictions on the limit – of time that a president can serve, those same limits should apply to not only members of Congress or members of the Senate, they should also apply to jurists in our court system. Yes. There should be a limit because what you traditionally see, and the reason that Congress has such a low approval rating year in and year out, is because, and and, and believe me, there are some politicians that have been there a long time, like Joe Biden, uh, like Nancy Pelosi, that have done extraordinary things. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the Democratic Party would be where it is without them. Right. At the same time, how do we know? Mm-hmm. How do we know that someone else better couldn't step up and fill that role? Mm-hmm. But but my my outlook on it is, is because of my educational background and, and seeing kids and watching kids grow up and become adults and what, they're, and what they've done, is to go there and advance that ball – for your constituents as far as you can get as much done for your constituents as they need done, because that's always going to be a revolving door of, of, of what issues need to be tackled. And then after you've reached that, that, I mean, if you're lucky enough to get elected that many times to serve eight years, then let everybody know, just like I told them, I'll let them know. If you elect me three times, if I can stand to stay up there that damn long, uh, (laughs) And when I get ready to run that fourth time, I'm going to tell you, 
every appearance I make, I'm going to tell you, be looking for somebody to take my place because yeah. this is the last time around for me. Right. And and advance that ball as far as you can, and then let somebody younger and mm-hmm. smarter with a whole different mindset of ideas. Wow come in and take that ball and advance it farther. That's how we made this country. Mm -hmm. That's how every developed country in this world continues to evolve and get better because they bring in new people and new blood and new ideas. And if we ever intend to be a leader in this world in education and technology and innovation and all this sort of things, we're going to have to do it by different people making the rules and, and, and setting the guidelines and setting that bar for us to achieve because so many people, and you see this not only in legislators, you see it in jurists on the mm-hmm. court. The longer they stay, the more set they get yes. in their ways, the more apt they're less to change. And, and I think it just destroys the whole process. And so for that reason, that's why I think we should, have term limits on members of any court, whether mm-hmm. it's your local district court or whether it's the Supreme Court, the highest court in the land. I just want to hug you. Well, <laughs> yeah, I love I love your mind and the way you think because it's exactly right. You're absolutely I'm just an right. Old country boy that grew up the hard way <laughs> and saw everything from the ass end of a cow, and 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 just I I, I you know I just. And pragmatic about yes, things. Yes, you are. You know, there's and, – and I think there's a whole hell of a lot of people out there in the country, particularly people that I'm running to represent, who are just like that and just cannot understand mm-hmm. the idiocies and the <laughs> increases mm-hmm. of, of government mm-hmm. and how sometimes they can do some of the stupidest things <laughs> that, that common sense folk just understand won't work. Yeah. And that's just like the ACA, and I know you wanted to talk about the ACA. Yes. You know, my wife and I both had pre-existing conditions. Mm-hmm. So the only way we could get insurance was through our state pool. And we knew we had to have insurance before we had children. Mm-hmm. And so we were paying like $3,000 a month for health oh insurance for the two of us. Wow. Uh, because the only way we could get it in Texas was through the through the state pool because yeah. no individual insurer would insure us. Wow. And so we had it for the first three or four years that we had children, then we dropped it. Yeah. And we self tried as best we could. Even if it was only $25 a month, we tried the best we could to pay medical issues that came up Mm -hmm. from that point until the ACA came out. And then we were able to get affordable insurance Mm -hmm. and we had it up, you know, until the time my wife passed away and uh, my kids then had were either gotten married or were fixed to get married, so it was just me. Mm-hmm. And uh, due to the fact that even for one person under the ACA, it was still tremendously high. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that I couldn't afford it. It's just that I just said, I'm not going to pay it because yeah. this insurance and, and prescription drug stuff had just gotten outrageous. But here's what a lot of people need to understand about the ACA. It's going to come up before this court yes. seven days after election. The following Tuesday, they're going to hear arguments pushed by not only my state, the state of Texas, but by the Trump administration Mm -hmm. to totally rule it unconstitutional. They've already stripped so much out of it that it's not hardly any different than any other insurance plan Mm -hmm. now. But what people need to understand about that, whether you're pro-ACA or or not, it's going to affect you. Yes. And I say that by, by saying this. 
once the ACA is gone, which I have no doubt with a 6-3 court and, and the evil-eyed person that they're fixing to put on the court, that the ACA will be history before year's end. Hmm. It will be gone. What people need to understand is once that happens, we go back to pre-ACA yes. insurance days. We go back to the days where the number one reason for bankruptcy in this country was medical. Yeah. That was the number leading cause of bankruptcy in this country. We're going back to those days. And as soon as the ACA is gone, the lowest common denominator is wiped away. Yeah. Because the insurance on ACA is far cheaper than any other plan of yes. its type that yes. you can buy on the open market. And so what's going to happen is as soon as they rule it unconstitutional, all your major insurance, medical insurance carriers in the country, from United Healthcare to Aetna to mm -hmm. all of them, they're going to get together and they're going to say, okay, the cheap one's gone. Mm -hmm. Now, let's increase our profits. Yes. And I don't care if you're on a retirement plan insurance through your job, yeah. if you're on employer insurance, or if you have your own personal insurance through one of these companies, what you're going to see in next year's billing mm -hmm. is you're going to see your co-pays go up. Yeah. You're going to see your deductibles go up. You're going to see your coverages go down. Yep. And you're going to see your premium spike. Yep. And everybody's going to say, what the hell's going on? Mm -hmm. Well, you just got rid of the cheapest plan there was. Right. And now these insurance companies are fixing to profit from it. Mm -hmm. Just like so they did before. Everyone yeah. in this country that has insurance needs to be concerned about what's fixing to happen in the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. and, they, and prior to this election, they need to look and see who is supporting yep. this person for the Supreme Court. And they need to vote like hell to vote every one of them bastards out. Yeah. They may get, you know, Mitch McConnell may get his dream ticket on the Supreme Court, mm -hmm. but his ass needs to enjoy it the rest of his life from the state of Kentucky <laughs> or the country of China where his wife's from. <laughs> he does not need to be in Washington enjoying it no. and relishing over it. And, <laughs> and neither does John Cornyn, yeah. neither does Louis Gomer, neither does all these other politicians who are pushing for this jurist right. so they can rid the country of the ACA. Right, and Ted Because Cruz. they're fixing to get in the ass pocket of every taxpayer in this country. Yeah, and it's just, it's so upsetting because I'm one of these people too who will lose my insurance. And it's, uh, you know, I mean, my listeners know a couple of weeks ago when Mitt Romney had given the green light, like, yeah, go ahead and have this confirmation, I started sobbing. And I, you know, I had mm -hmm. to do a podcast and I spoke uh, with Fred Guttenberg, actually, and it was like as soon as we hung up and and then I just I went off on my own and I lost it because it's so awful. It's so scary to me. And the only thing that I can take any comfort in, first of all, it's people like you running. And then it's the idea that Joe Biden, because he was part of the Obama administration, will understand what needs to be done in order to, you know, get us another healthcare system. And it's good. Everything's going to be such a big giant um, push because it's, it, I mean, it's going to be a lot of work. There's so many things that they need to take care of, you know, in these four years, but, but hopefully because we had, uh, we, we basically, we've got, you know, with the ACA, we've got a template that they can work off of and, and get that additional, 
um, the, the part of it where you can, uh, have, what's it called? When the uh, public option. So if we, if we can yeah. get a public option, you know, add on to it and then eventually we can move toward the pos- you know, everybody, a, a huge part of the country wants Medicare for all. And I think the best way to get there is incrementally as opposed to all at once. I mean, I know there are people who would argue that if the ACA is stricken down completely, that we should replace it with Medicare for all. But I think no. that that would be too much, too fast, and too many we problems. We can't afford it for one yeah, thing. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be an incremental uh, but, phasing in. But the other in. thing is, yeah, we're going to have to develop a whole new deal. And you're right, we have a template from the ACA. But my recommendation is going to be, and I intend to put this in the form of legislation, is that every member of Congress should have to have working groups from within their their district. In other words, like what I want to do when we start trying to develop a new health care plan is I want to set up about half a dozen working groups within my district composed of hospital administrators, hmm. composed oh, wow. of physicians, yeah. composed of patients mm-hmm. that have to have extreme medical care. Wow, that's great And have idea. these working groups just start developing their ideas mm-hmm. of the perfect type of medical plan. No insurance companies involved Yes. And then take these back. Every member of Congress, bring those ideas back to that committee in Congress that works on that mm-hmm. and have that committee also supplemented mm-hmm. by the same type of individuals. And leave the insurance companies out of it. The, mm-hmm. the thing that screwed up the ACA from the start was that the insurance companies wrote the vast majority of that bill. Hmm. Well, piss on insurance. They're protected <laughs> right. by the government. They're right. protected against losses by the government. So they shouldn't have a say in the yeah. development of this plan. Yeah. And once the plan is developed, if they you know, rear up and say, well, we're not going to support it, well, then screw you then. The, yeah. the U.S. government will make the money off of this insurance plan. We'll fund it ourselves. Yeah. I wish I had like an applause button here. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, you know, first of all, I want to ask you before we go, I, you know, I know you're still running ads and stuff. So what do you need from people now? You need donations. You need calls. What are you looking for? God, I need it all. You can go to hankfortexas.com and sign up on our volunteer page. We have people all over the country that are doing phone banking and texting uh, certainly we need money. I mean, yeah. we've got, we've still got another, uh, probably $150,000 or more that we plan or would like to spend in okay. this race between now and election day with TV and digital. Yes. Um, uh, and so we're, we're constantly, you know, calling and, and begging and asking, you know, this is from a guy that, that, that yearly makes about 60 or $70,000 a year at, on a good year. Mm-hmm. So I'm not a whole lot different than most of the people listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, unfortunately, it takes that kind of money to, yeah, to uh, win these kind of races. So, yeah, whatever your listeners can do. I mean, we've got a volunteer button on our, our website, on our Facebook page, Instagram, uh, and they can volunteer or they can certainly hit the Act blue link on any of those things and make a donation or our address is located. If they trust the mail to get here in time, <laughs> they can drop something in the mail. But, hey, I appreciate everything that they've done to this point. If it wasn't for the people all over this country, uh, we wouldn't have a chance to win this race. I think that this race is going to be close mm-hmm. just because of the makeup of the district mm-hmm. for so long, even though I know it's mostly Democratic. Um, it's going to be close either way, mm-hmm. but I really feel good about it, and I appreciate Republicans calling me every day that they voted for me. I think the yeah. country is 
I think the country at large, not just the Democratic Party, but right. I think the country at large is looking for normalcy and yeah. change. And I pray every night that uh, we get there on November 3rd. Well, I'll definitely be just like the last time. As soon as we uh, ended the show, I donated to you. So I'm going to do that again. And before you go, tell everybody where they can find you. I know you got the it's Hank for Texas, right? That's F.O.R. Texas. Hank uh, F.O.R. Texas is the website. And then on uh uh, Facebook and Twitter, it's Hank the number four Texas. Okay, okay, is how you can get in touch with us. Awesome. Well, I am really pulling for you. I want you to win, 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 win. So thank you for being on the show. Thank you for running and being a patriot. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Hank. Kimberly, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for everything you've done for me in this campaign. If it wasn't for folks like you, I, I'd be nowhere. Oh well, we appreciate lo- it a lot. We love you. All, All right, right, you take care. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. So come on, let's get some money for Hank. I know the last time that he was on the show, I know a lot of people told me they donated and I had donated. So I'm going to I'm going to do that again this time around because, oh, my God, you know, Trump has no path uh, to victory if Texas turns blue. So, I mean, obviously, that's Biden if people are voting for Biden. But you know what? If people are voting for Biden, then there's a good, strong chance that many of them are also going to be voting for people like Hank. So he's such a down to earth dude. I love, I mean, obviously he's funny, but beyond the, the, the funny, he's, he's just so, like he said, pragmatic and God, I wish they were all like him. I just would love for these elected officials to be so much more transparent and hands-on. And we've just got to bring our country back to that. You know, I think, I think it's really important to, to, Focus on, as Democrats, where we are weak and where we can be stronger. That is not an attack. Do you know what I mean? I know, like, for instance, there are certain people out there who shall remain nameless, who call themselves part of the left, but all they do is attack Democrats. And of course, there's plenty of failures on, on, you know, on the Democratic side. Of course there are. But there's way, I mean, there is no comparison when you, when you put Democrats against Republicans, we all know this. Anybody who listens to this show knows this. But there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of disinformation out there. And people get confused and they get sucked into arguments and they, you know, they double down when they're challenged if, if they don't want to admit they're wrong. So I think it's so important for people, whether, you know, and, and, and frankly, this goes to the news media and also the Democratic Party, I think we have to always hold them accountable, which means critiquing them. That doesn't mean attacking them. It doesn't mean villainizing them. It just means we need to point out where they can improve because there's only one party out there right now that's going to work in the interest of, of you and me. And some of, those, some of those elected officials are taking money from lobbyists and big oil and all and big pharma and we don't like that. So that's the system that has been set up now. We can change that. That doesn't mean we have to say Democrats are bad. Unfortunately, you know, I mean, how can you expect a Democrat to go into a fight? You know, it's like ask, you know, it's like when people say that they shouldn't take any corporate money at this point in the game. Well, it's like asking, I mean, if you're if you're as charismatic as someone who can 
outraise a Republican just on single donations, that's fucking awesome. If you can do that, that's fucking awesome. But most people can't do that. Not everybody has that kind of charisma. Not everybody is able. I mean, if you're running for public office, your goal obviously is to be convincing and to get people to like you. But if, if you're on, you know, a lot of people are just not able to make it on small donations, on individual donations, when the, the, the Republican opponent is getting huge, big money from, you know, whether it's those corporations I just mentioned or big money, blah, 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 blah. I mean, big oil or it's something like dark money and we don't even know where it's coming from. You can't compete with that sometimes. So you have to work within the system right now in order to change it. So it's like first get elected in in the way that our system has been set up and then work to change that system, campaign finance reform, whatever it takes. Somebody like Hank is perfect to represent the new, I, I would say, you know, like the new brand of, um, you know, there's Jamie Harrison, who's also running against Lindsey Graham. He's also do he's actually getting smaller individual donations. So, you know, I mean, it can be done, but it's not like I said, it's not going to be from everybody. So just get the fuck, get elected and then work on it. Be transparent. Talk to the people. Sell the Democratic platform. Tell people why it's better to elect Democrats and point to things in the past, whether it's economy or healthcare or fucking seven day work weeks. There's so many things you can point to. Democrats have kicked ass for the American people. Sure, they've, they've fallen on a few things, but that's in part because the Republican Party has bullied its way in. And of course, there's some shitty Democrats who have allowed it to happen and they didn't fight hard enough. But the goal here is let's get the Katie Porters in. Let's get the Hank Gilberts in. Let's get the Jamie Harrisons in. Let's, you know, let's fight, man. We've got something to fight for. And, we are, and I want to reiterate, and I'm going to be saying this, all next year. <laughs> 2020 was not a finish line. 2020 is just the beginning. It should wake our it should wake our asses up to how we haven't been voting before. I mean, look how exciting this is. Let's just take a little trip back to 2014. And I remember thinking that Democrats were going to win the midterms. I was not expecting like some blue flood or blue wave or anything like that. But I was just like, okay, we've seen this, you know, Tea Party bullshit for long enough. Democrats are like, we're not going to take this anymore. And then what did they do? They fucking stayed home. Lowest voter turnout in 80 years. Majority of people who voted were Republicans. It was an embarrassment on our own with our own party, our, uh, you know, our party failed us because they didn't sell Obamacare. They didn't sell the Democratic Party. And voters just assumed that because we had a black Democratic president, that's all we needed to worry about. Well, clearly it isn't. And in fact, if we would have stayed on it, if Democratic voters would have showed up like they're showing up right now, there's a very good chance the Senate could be blue. And Amy COVID Barrett would not be fucking confirmed. So we need to remember that. And we need to talk to our friends and family about that. We'll, you know, use her as a perfect excuse and or a perfect example, I mean, of why we need to keep we need to keep the fucking Congress blue. Because as soon as Republicans get in, they screw it all up for everybody. And here we are. And I'm, you know, trying not to sob. <laughs> Which, you know, when he said we're going to lose the, the ACA, I was like, oh, 
I don't even want to think about it. I've been trying to just ignore it. I've been trying to focus on the fact that, you know, okay, let's focus on the good news. Right now, we've got 28.5 million people voting. When last election season in 2016, it was only 1.4. And I keep telling myself over and over again that Joe Biden's going to be president and he's going to, you know, I was just talking to my girlfriend yesterday and she's so concerned about losing her insurance. And I said, get everything you need done right now. And let's just, you know, assume Biden is going to win. And it's going to take however long. I mean, obviously can't do anything for emergencies, but, you know, get your fucking mammogram done now. Go to the gynecologist now. Get your prostate exam done now. Get it out of the way because there's going to be a period of time where we may not be insured. I mean, I know who was it? I think I was it was Glenn Kirshner who was on the show talking about if we win big, if the Democrats win big, it might affect how. COVID Barrett rules, but I don't know. We'll see. I, I don't, I, you know, it's fascinating that he called her evil. I mean, he's like, a, he, I would never call him a moderate Democrat. I mean, from what I hear, I, I, I haven't seen, you know, his, I haven't really seen him in action outside of talking to him and listening to his ideas, but he doesn't sound to me moderate. He sounds like he said, pra, like a pragmatic progressive. He understands that you can, you know, you should go for like the big, the big move and that's not always going to work and you might have to pull it back a little bit. And that's the best way government works, you know, when, when we're making, um, relationships and, and, and we're, or I should say we're forging relationships with the other side. And sometimes we have to make compromises with that other side in order to push whatever agenda we have. So like, let's just say it's Medicare for all. Okay, so you're probably not going to get a Republican that's for Medicare for all, but you could convince them to meet in the middle with the public option. That's what I'm talking about. We we need to do that, and I'm I'm starting to lose, <laughs> I'm starting to lose my line of thinking. Um, I you know the now side note, completely politics are 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 not going to be talked about in this next little segment. Just going to be talking about the personal. But I woke up this morning. And I don't know, I was, I almost felt like I had taken a sleeping pill last night, which, cause I do not do well with sleeping pills. I'm not a, I'm not a person who can, I'm even when it comes to like, uh, medications for allergies or, you know, Benadryl or any of that stuff. I mean, I know Benadryl makes everybody tired, but I think it makes me more tired. I think it affects me more than it affects most because my mother, used to tell me to take this stuff. She, I remember like went to her house one time. She had allergies. I had allergies. She always oh, just take this. And I'm like, but I don't want it to make me drowsy. It doesn't make me drowsy. I'm fine. And then I take it and I'm like dead for two days. So I can't take, uh, I'm not very good at it. But anyway, so I don't take sleeping pills. But when I do, I get all groggy and confused. My brain is all confused. And that's how I felt like I, when I woke up today, my, um, my alarm went off and it was like I got punched in the face. I'm like, ah, and really I'm, I'm actually not bad at like in the morning. I can just pretty much get up. You know, I don't have this big problem with getting up even when it's early and I hate getting up. I can get up. But today it was just like, uh, and so today my brain brain is fading. So pardon me for that, but that's okay. <laughs> what else? What else? What else? Before I go, I'm trying to think, um, these are the wonderful, kinds of things, by the way, that you're going to get uh, when I switch over in November and I do my outros just for patrons only. So keep that in mind. You're going to get all this good stuff here <laughs> that you cannot live without. Kimberly's menopausal brain is basically what you're going to get. 
but you know, I also want to tell you guys something that, you know, I'm going to tell you, I have something to tell you, I should say, that's private. And I'm going to, I'm going to talk to Stephanie on Thursday. So I will bring my private thing up for just my listeners on Thursday. So be aware that that's going to happen because it's an announcement about why I'm not going to be around for the election week. Although I might, but I think what I will do is there, there might be a situation where on Wednesday I call in to the Bob Seska show and uh, talk to a couple, you know, whatever panel he's going to have on. That's the Wednesday after election. And hopefully we'll know, we'll know on that night on Tuesday night. Oh my God. Anyway. Um, so we'll see, but just keep in mind that on Thursday of this week, I'm going to be talking with Steph for a patrons only show. And I'm going to, I'm going to announce something about why I'm not going to be around for election week. And then I think that's going to be it for now. I mean, I can't think of anything else to say, except for we are getting closer and closer to getting cats. <laughs> Bob told me that, uh, Bob Seska, my, my glorious boyfriend husband, told me that he's considering the whatever, you know, he, he's, he, he needs certain bookshelves because he's afraid that the cats are going to knock shit down, which, by the way, we have bookshelves in the living room. And he did point out that we're, those are probably going to be. But you know what? I've had cats my whole life and I've had bookshelves and everything's pretty much been fine. So... He is now deciding which new bookshelves he's going to have or shelving, I should say, that he's going to have in his office that's protected so that the little kittens that we get and I can't wait are going to, you know, not going to be able to knock his really cool stuff down. So I'm, I'm just I'm so excited. But, you know, I'm a little nervous because that last experience that I had uh, with Miranda, it was so fucking hard. It was so hard. It was about a month and a half. And I knew she was in decline even though there were hopeful times and hopeful moments, it was probably the most difficult experience I've ever had with a failing animal because it took a long time and, and I knew it was going on and I saw that she was not the whole time, but there were times where she was in pain and especially toward the end when she started sundowning, I guess, you know, when she was howling at night and I had to give her a CBD and it was, Oh God, it was just awful. So there's a little bit of fear about getting new animals. And I've had cats my entire life. This is the first time in my life when I've not had cats or any animal. And the only thing that I like about it, which is not much, but the only thing that I like is that I'm not worried. I'm not worried that my cat is sick or upset or whatever it is. And, you know, obviously the majority of their life, they're usually fine, providing you have a nice, healthy animal. And for the majority of Miranda's life, she was fine. She almost never went to the vet you know, she didn't really have to, she wasn't sick, but it's just, it's so hard. And I know right now, Steve Marmel on Twitter, I don't know if you follow him on Twitter, but he's got a little doggy that's going through some stuff right now. And, and I, I gotta say, I said I was going to end this show and I'm still talking, but anyway, that's my, I'm telling you, it's my menopause brain. But I remember the, I, I called it the worst night of my life. And it was, you know, during that time while Miranda was failing and it was the night before Memorial Day and that was awful it was just a horrible night I don't want to really go over it but around five o'clock in the morning I was convinced that I was going to have to put her down which I didn't she didn't go she didn't pass until June 19th which was an interesting date but anyway this was the day before Memorial Day and I had realized it was like five in the morning I probably didn't get any sleep if I did it was just that twilight sleep that only lasted 15 minutes and then I would wake up because she would meow or whatever was happening 
and I and I thought, oh my God, I'm gonna have to put her down tomorrow. And then I realized it was Memorial Day, and I was so completely freaked out. And I was thinking, oh my God, how, how what is you know? I didn't want her to be in pain, and so I I tweeted something out, in, you know, at that early hour just freaking out. And Steve Marmel was there. He engaged in that. I don't remember exactly if he said something or if he retweeted or whatever, but he was there. And I know that he's going through it right now. Um, there, there is hope. If you follow Steve Marmel, just give him some love. I mean, I know that there's a little hope that there, there might be a way to, with whatever his doggy is dealing with, to save her. Uh, so we'll see, but I know it's just so hard, you know, it's just, it's so hard. We get so attached to our pets for a variety of reasons. They're our best friends, they're our companions, they're sweet, they're cuddly, they're babies. I mean, there's so many things and I just love them so much. So yeah, we are going to get our cats and I'm not exactly sure when it's going to be, it, it, you know, it's going to be when it feels right. And I've got a couple places where we're going to look for them. So I guess we're just going to take our time. And if we can find sisters, that's great. But I, I don't need sisters. I don't care. I mean, as long they don't have to be litter mates as long as they're both really young. Because as long as they're both really young, they're going to be suited toward each other very quickly. I've seen that happen so many times. So anyway, and you know what? Just I want to tell you, there's a woman on Twitter. Her name is Tara, T-A-R-A, Dublin. She's got... Oddly enough, she got two she got two new kittens. The first one came, her name is Maxine. I think it's like Maxine Pelosi Rodham something, Dublin. <laughs> she named her. Uh I and and she got Maxine also on June 19th, which I just think is interesting. And then a couple of weeks later, she took in the brother of Maxine, who is named Duke. I'm telling you that Tara Dublin's Twitter feed is mostly political, but then she posts pictures of her kittens. I search her Twitter feed for the kittens. Um, so it's her. And then it's also Kirsten Warren, who has been on the show. She's got Ripley, freaking gorgeous, gorgeous Bengal cat. Oh, my God. This cat is so cute. And a kitten. And so, like, I live to go to those Twitter accounts and look for the kittens because I cannot wait. Okay, so that's really it. I'm going to stop talking. Don't forget you can find me on Twitter at author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. Don't forget that extra E at the end. And take a look at my books on Amazon. You've got The Virgin Diaries, which is stories about people's first-time sexual experiences. You've got Peyton's Choice, which is a story about a girl who has an abortion. And and she's pro-choice, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> There's also American Woman and Ain't No Sunshine. So go ahead and check out my books and don't forget to leave those reviews. All right. We will see you on Wednesday when my guest is going to be, drumroll please, Dana Goldberg. Woohoo! So that's going to be fun talking to her. Anyway, I will see you guys on Wednesday and then again on Thursday. Take care, everybody. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. 
Parker, engineering your success.